From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today, we'll hear another message in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, a series preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. Today's text is found in Second Samuel chapter 5 and verse 24. When thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, then thou shalt bestir thyself. The members of Christ's church should be very prayerful, always seeking the unction of the Holy One to rest upon their hearts, that the kingdom of Christ may come, and that His will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. But there are times when God seems especially to favor Zion, Such seasons ought to be to them like the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees. We ought then to be doubly prayerful, doubly earnest, wrestling more at the throne than we have been wont to do. Action should then be prompt and vigorous. The tide is flowing. Now let us pull manfully for the shore. Oh, for Pentecostal outpourings and Pentecostal labors. Christian, in yourself there are times when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees. You have a peculiar power in prayer. The Spirit of God gives you joy and gladness. The Scripture is open to you. The promises are applied. You walk in the light of God's countenance. You have peculiar freedom and liberty and devotion, more closeness of communion with Christ than was your wont. Now, at such joyous periods, when you hear the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, is the time to bestir yourself. Now is the time to get rid of any evil habit, while the Spirit of God helpeth your infirmities. Spread your sail, but remember what you sometimes sing. I can only spread the sail. Thou, thou must breathe the auspicious gale. Only be sure you have the sail up. Do not miss the gale for want of preparation for it. Seek help of God that you may be more earnest in duty when made more strong in faith, that you may be made more constant in prayer when you have more liberty at the throne, that you may be more holy in your conversation whilst you live more closely with Christ. Day. 
An indispensable part of the Christian life is daily Bible reading. If you're looking for some guidance in the study of God's Word, we're happy to offer a very helpful but brief brochure entitled Ten Commandments of Bible Study. Prepared by several ministers of the Free Presbyterian Church, including Dr. Alan Cairns, it will help you to gain much blessing from your time in the Scriptures. The method is designed to help believers achieve a comprehensive knowledge of the chapter contents of the Scriptures and to enable them to use that knowledge to guide and quicken them in their personal prayer lives. For a free copy of Ten Commandments of Bible Study, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. 
If you wish to call us, you may phone 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Increase your knowledge of God's Word by requesting your free copy of Ten Commandments of Bible Study. On today's broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns brings the concluding portion of a message called The Unconcealable Christ. Matthew chapter 15 and Mark chapter 7 contains the account of Christ and the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was possessed of an unclean spirit. Mark 7 verse 24 gives the theme for this message. Christ entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. From those words, he could not be hid. We learn that Christ's presence leads to a confession of his person. The woman addressed him as Lord. The encounter also revealed Christ's pity for one in deep need. Finally, it demonstrated Christ's power. For if Jesus is present, it will produce mighty spiritual results. Now to conclude this message, the unconcealable Christ, here is Dr. Cairns. Where the person of Jesus Christ is not confessed, he is not there. That's not Christianity. Where the doctrine of his person is fundamentally denied or corrupted, he is not there. No matter what people feel. And where his person is not confessed, his presence is not known. Where Jesus is, there's the confession of his person. There's also the revelation of his pity. This is one of the most powerful evidences of his glory. It's his treatment of needy souls. The old hymn says, none but Jesus, none but Jesus can do guilty sinners good. That was the conviction of this Syrophoenician woman, where she got it all, as I say, other than by the gift of God, I know not, but certainly she knew, here's the one to do me good. Now, Christ's procedure in this occasion has caused a lot of debate. Why did he ignore her? 
Well, I've given you a couple of reasons to start with, but the question persists, why did he ignore her? And secondly, why did he dare to be so politically incorrect as to give the slightest hint that he was referring to the Gentiles as dogs? Was that not an offensive statement? That's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. The thing is, the Lord Jesus knew what he was doing, and he knew why he was doing it. Understand this. Because of the way he treated this woman, it led her to reveal the fullness of her faith in a way that would otherwise never have been known. The Lord Jesus spoke of this woman's faith in glowing terms. And when you think of this, isn't there a very clear parallel between this and our own experience? Haven't you, even as a Christian, many, many a time come to God and you've felt, I need the answer now. I need the voice of God to speak now. I need the judgment of God to be revealed against my enemies now. I need to see the power of God do this or that or the other thing, this provision or that gift right now. And as you speak, nothing happens. Haven't you found that? That's what this woman found. But what did she do? Turn away and give up? No, because when you are possessed of this knowledge, this is the Lord, this is the King of Israel, this is the Son of David, this is the promised Christ, this is the fulfillment of every God-given covenant promise, this is the one who has the answer to my need. When you are convinced of that, even when there apparently is no immediate answer, you can do nothing else but wait, nothing else but pray, nothing else but cry. You say like Peter, to whom else can we go? Thou only hast the words of eternal life. So you keep waiting. She waited. The Lord waited to be gracious. That's a beautiful text, you know. He waited. He waited. The devil tells you he waits because he's forgotten about you. He's waiting because he has no interest in you. He's waiting because he's cast you off. He's waiting because there's no help for you in God. When they said that to the psalmist and he wrote it down, he placed a selah after it. And while I realize modern scholarship likes to look on that as a mere musical notation, I'm not sure that they really have the authority to say that. I like the old-fashioned way. But even if it was that, it was there to give us pause to stop and think. When they said to him, there's no help for you in God, he just stopped. Think of that. If it were true, there's no help in God, I would be of all men most miserable. But let me tell you, that's far from the truth. Jehovah does not wait out of hatred, but out of love. Not out of unconcern, but out of pity. He waits in order to be gracious. Why did he call the Gentiles dogs? Well, you've got to understand that the Lord Jesus here was actually using a proverb 
many people believe, and I think with some justification, that he softened the terms of it. It doesn't come through in translation so much, although you can see some evidence of it when she talked about the, the dogs under the table. Uh, the proverb would have spoken of the Gentiles as dogs, mad, wild, scavenging dogs. He spoke of the dogs under the table. Not quite what we in the West think of as uh, little pets, but house dogs nonetheless. So he did soften it, but this was a, a Jewish way of speaking. To this day in the Middle East, of course, you'll find that. They speak about a, a Gentile dog. A heretic dog. No. We can't take our notions of 21st America political correctness and impose them in the Middle East of all those years ago. This was the way they had spoken. But the Lord Jesus quoted it in order to expose and to reject Jewish exclusivism and Jewish prejudice. He quoted the saying, but notice this, he was not bound by it. The saying said, you don't take the children's food and give it to dogs. You don't take what belongs to Israel and give it to the Gentiles. Jesus quoted it, but what did he do? He gave the blessing to the Gentile. In other words, he gave hope to the world by showing a pity that crosses every barrier of race, of religion, and of nationality. It's very obvious, too, that his pity stood in marked contrast even to his disciples. His disciples came and said, Lord, send her away, for she crieth after us. Now, I know that many commentators believe they were saying, Lord, why are you so quiet? Why are you not doing something? Uh, look, at, at least heal her daughter and send her away so she's not pestering us. The idea that many commentators have is send her away with the healing that she wants for her daughter. And the, the reason they say that is, verse 24 of Matthew 15, Jesus answers, they say, the disciples saying, I'm not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, he's answering the petition, sent her away with the healing. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think verse 24 is his first response to the woman, not to the disciples at all. The disciples, as they did on other occasions when they were surrounded by needy souls, said, Lord, send them away. That was their answer to everything. Unless we get too uh, self-righteous, I think very often it's our answer to people as well. How many Christians do you know that really, really, honestly and truly have the time and the energy and the love and the care and the concern to invest themselves in the lives and the troubles and the trials of other people. How many do you know? Precious few. Have you ever seen it? I'm not going to preach in this because I've mentioned it before, but I'll tell you, if this is the best you can do, put a zipper on your lip and say nothing and keep your hands in your pocket. Somebody's in real trouble. And before they can ever get to speak to you, you just pat them on the back and say, God bless you, I'll pray for you. Of course, you have no notion of praying for them. If you do, Lord bless them and they're out of your mind. 
God bless you. Or even worse still, somebody's weighed down with a, a, a burden of care. You just pat them in the back and say, no, don't worry. That's easy for you to say, isn't it? Don't worry. Don't worry. The only person that has the right to tell them not to worry is the one that's willing to take the time to take them to the one who bears the worry away. Otherwise, it's just hypocritical claptrap. Nothing more, nothing less. Send her away. Why? Lord, she's crying after us. Her presence makes us uncomfortable. And man, to make Christians uncomfortable, now that's a great crime. Send her away. I'm glad the Lord had more compassion than his disciples had. I'm glad he loves souls better than we do. For if he didn't, who would ever be saved? He couldn't be hid. Because where Jesus is, he must reveal his pity. He must reveal his love. And the final thing that that great truth led to was the demonstration of his power. Matthew fifteen twenty-eight: the woman's daughter was healed. Why can Jesus not be hid? Because wherever he is, he's going to exercise life-changing power. He cannot be present without effect. Now let me repeat that. Because this challenges us to the very root of our Christian profession as a church. The Lord Jesus Christ cannot be present to no effect. In other words, we cannot claim the presence of Christ if he is not doing anything in our midst. There's no such thing. If Jesus Christ is present, he will apply his truth to the hearts of those who hear it. He will bring pardon to guilty sinners. He will bring peace to troubled hearts. He will bring assurance to those who have been afflicted with doubt. He will bring comfort to those who are bearing great trials and troubles. He brings strength to those who are overcome by their own weakness. He brings guidance to those who are wondering where to go and how to go. And most of all, he will give grace to his people to live for him because where Jesus is, his power must be demonstrated. Must be. There's no such thing of Christ staying among a people to do nothing. He went to Nazareth and he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. Did he stay there to do nothing? No, he moved on to where he would do something. Men and women, Christ cannot be concealed That's a challenge to us.
because if he's doing nothing, it's because he's moved on. He's moved on. As a church, we cannot do anything without the demonstration of his power. What can we do to save sinners? What can we do to build up saints? What can we do to advance the kingdom of God? What can we do to overthrow the apostasy of the last days? What can we do in the face of the concentrated attack of the powers of hell? What can we do? Nothing. Oh, we may stand, but our stand will be in vain. We may preach, our preaching will be useless. We may bring to bear all our energy. It will produce no fruit. Now, we should do all those things. But to make them fruitful, we need the power of Christ demonstrated. But if he's here, if he's in our midst, he must demonstrate his power. You see, he cannot be hid. He is the unconcealable Christ. I said at the beginning that for a time and with good reason, the Lord Jesus sought to hide himself, and even then he couldn't be hid. You know, we're not called to hide him. We're called to make him known, are we not? Far from hiding him, we're taught to publicize him. Let's go to it with the absolute assurance that if we obey him in this, he will not be hid. His person will be confessed. His pity will be revealed. And his power will be exercised with a mighty demonstration. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at one 864 2442408 that's 18642442408 our email address is info@faithfpc.org that's info@faithfpc.org if you would like to learn more about the free presbyterian church of north america we invite you to visit our website www fpcna.org that's www.fpcna.org this is charles kelch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we let the bible speak mm-hmm.